6 p.m. And I'm driving down this street right here, going to my house. And my son says, Dad, someone's going in the garbage can at the church. And so, I don't know if you guys know this, but I often have to chase people out of here. Right? There's like some really sketchy people down here often. Probably a few times a week. So I was like, maybe I should go over there. And I kind of contemplated. I was like, all right, I'm going. I was like, wife, kids, out of the car, jump out. And so I didn't just walk over. Like, I smashed over in my vehicle and stopped right in front of the dumpster. And the guy just stands there and looks at me. And I jump out of the car. And I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? Right? And I don't know if you guys, like, I can be a little bit aggressive sometimes, not on purpose, maybe because of my past. But so I walked up. I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? He was like, oh, I'm just going through this, uh, this garb or whatever. It's food coupons, right? So he's going through the coupons. And I immediately accused him. I'm like, you stealing people's mail? Because there's been mail stolen in this area. And so I go and I look in the garbage can. And he's throwing all these coupons in there. And I said, it's probably time that you leave. Like, we have people down at the... So people were down at the church at the time. So I was trying to protect the property also. I was like, it's time for you to leave. And he mumbled something. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call the cops. And so then immediately he just rode off, right? And I went home all vindicated. I was like, <laughs> chase that guy out of here. I was like, but what did he mumble to me? So I went back and I looked at the camera footage. And he had said, I got these from a recycling bin down the street. So I was like, oh, I felt a little bit bad, right? Because when I looked in the garbage, there was no mail in there. It was only coupons. And so he ends up, Coming back five minutes later, the camera the camera bings again. I look at it. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go get him. I run back over there. It's like, Jarrett, come with me. So Jarrett came this time. But by the time I got over here, he was gone. And I went and I looked in the dumpster. And there was something that was missing out of the dumpster that had previously been in there. Yeah. So there was cardboard boxes, right, right on the top. There were some food coupons. And someone had just thrown away a box of onion rings. And they were gone. Oh. And so... That story is a story of my failure. Like, I wish I could have been the hero in that story, but I wasn't. In Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. I didn't pursue peace with that man. And it ended up actually ruining the rest of the night. I had an unsettling feeling late into the night. In fact, as soon as I realized he was hungry... I grabbed Jarrett, and I'm not kidding you. We walked around this neighborhood for an hour looking for the guy. We sat outside. I waited. I waited up till like midnight or one o'clock, just hoping he would come back so I could make a difference in his life. See, I could have helped him, but instead I was led by emotion, and I wasn't led by peace. And the scripture says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And I had an opportunity to represent Christ in this man's life, and I failed. And the only thing I can think of is, what if this was the only time, probably not likely, but what if this was the last time someone could have represented Christ to this man? 
It was a few days later that Pastor Jay gave me the scripture to preach, and I immediately started praying. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to know about peace? And so immediately, it's funny how the Lord works, because then he started showing me all the areas of my life that I'm not peaceful in. And I was like, no, not me. Show me other people. Show me where my wife's not peaceful. So it's just, Lord's just showing me things. Obviously, this story came to mind and um, other things. Like, I'm very... Uh, after I got this scripture and I prayed about that, we went and got in the car and I was driving the car. And immediately, the Lord's like, you're not peaceful when you drive. I'm just a different person. I don't know why. Anybody else? Anybody a different person when they drive? I get angry, frustrated. In fact, I've quoted this scripture so much that now... Happened the other day. I was driving down the street and I start to get aggravated. And I'm, getting, I'm starting to say things, right? Because I will say things also. Like, what's this guy doing? Other things. And so, and so even Jada, with a smirk on her face, getting angry, she says, pursue peace with all people. <laughs> Isn't that the way kids will do you? Now, side note, if you are someone that's driving on the freeway and you are in the, and you are in the middle lane and you are pacing the two cars to your right, just get over. Just, you're going the same speed. Get over. You are causing people like me to not have peace. So what does it mean to pursue peace? The word pursue is a verb, and to pursue something means to actively chase after it, to follow it, or to seek it out. In Psalms 34, 14, it says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. We need to be people that relentlessly chase after peace with people. Jesus even tells us that we should be peacemakers. In Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So about a month went by after I'd gotten this scripture. And once again, my camera rings. Right? The camera goes off. I look. And some guy just came up and decided he was going to put his backpack in our recycling bin and leave it there to stash it. And so at first I was like, dude, I've got to deal with this again. And I came over. I was like, maybe I should just throw it away. And then immediately, like, it hit me. I was like, dude, I have a chance to do something different this time. So instead, I took his backpack inside the office, and I waited. Waited for him to come back, because I knew he would. And I saw him come back, and of course, I let him, I did let him scramble a little bit. He's like, looking in there, looking in there. (laughs) But then, but then I, (laughs) but then I, uh, because you want him to be a little bit worried, right? (laughs) But I opened the door, and I came outside. I was like, hey, uh, it's probably not a good idea for you to put your backpack in this recycle bin. Anything could happen to it. And I would hate for you to lose all of your belongings. And we started talking to him. And uh, sure enough, I mean, the guy had a job but not a place to live. So we gave him a card to uh, a recovery place that he might be able to get it, uh, to stay at. We were able to give him food. And he left happy. And I left okay also. Completely Completely different person, same type of interaction, but the outcome was different. The reason the outcome was different 
is because that's what the word should do. I read the word. It convicted me. I changed. I didn't read the word. Stay the same and then go and be like, hey, get out of here, dude. I'm keeping your stuff. The word should change us. Here are some areas that we can strive to chase after peace with people in our lives. Some places we can start would be a grocery store. Stop getting mad at the checkout clerk. Just They're just trying to get a paycheck and do their job. Stop talking under your breath about the person that's in the fast checkout in the express way and they have 16 items and it's 15. They probably hear what you're saying. You can start to work on peace in your work, in your school, or any other interactions that you have with people. We should actively be peaceful with people at our jobs. Do not be the person that has a bad interaction with somebody at work and then end up not being at peace. Don't let the bad experience overtake you to the point where you're going around to anybody who will listen and complaining about them. That's not pursuing peace. It's better to talk with people and resolve the situation. And if you allow it to build up over time and you don't, you will hold a grudge and you will start to come bitter. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to calm you down and make peace with them. It would also do some people good to stay off of social media. It's very easy to not be peaceful on social media. Stop saying whatever you want, whenever you want, and have your profile say Christian. It does not make us look good. Who cares if you're right? That's actually why I stopped posting on Facebook is because I'm very blunt. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm very blunt and straightforward and sometimes come across aggressive and I don't mean to, but especially over text, I come across aggressive. So I got tired of Pastor Matt texting me being like, hey, you should probably take that down. (laughs) I'd be like, but I'm right. He was like, please don't. So I just stopped posting. Now I just stalk everybody. (laughs) Some of the arguments I see on Facebook are just ridiculous. And so this is a word of advice, uh, probably for more of the people that are advanced in years, but you know, we can see what you're commenting on, even when we're not friends with those people. There is plenty of comments that I just end up scrolling by being like, you go to the church that I attend. Don't let social media keep you from pursuing peace. If you have to delete it, then delete it. We are held accountable for every idle word we speak. Another place to seek peace, and this one should be easy, but oftentimes for some reason it's not, is within the church. Don't hold grudges or be bitter with with people in the church. If you have a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, you need to address it immediately. There should be no discord among believers. You need to work it out. If we can't have peace with each other in here when we spend time with each other all the time, how do you think we're going to be at peace with everybody else? Also, we're all going to spend eternity with each other. So work it out now or it's going to be really awkward. (laughs) Pursue peace within your home. 
children. Okay. Look at me. That's what Pastor Matt does. <laughs> Pursue peace with your parents. Amen. And the best way to do that is to be obedient and do what they ask you to do. Yes. When they ask you... Stop pretending when they ask you to do your chores like it's the first time you've ever had. It's not a surprise. Stop throwing yourself on the ground and rolling in the dirt. Jarrett does that. And I'm, and I'm like, come on, man, you're 18. I thought we were over this. He doesn't, he doesn't do it. He's actually a very obedient kid. I am blessed to have such an obedient son. But it'd be funny if he did do that, though. <laughs> In Exodus 20:12, it says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Colossians 3:20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. The Lord commands children to honor their parents. Stop grumbling and complaining about it. They are trying to raise you up in the ways of the Lord. Just be obedient. You can tell, like, on that part, I get a little frustrated because my kids, you know, they push buttons. <laughs> Parents, seek peace with your children. And I'm not saying not to discipline them. You have every right to discipline them. Amen. See, I've had a hard time in the past with this because sometimes I say things without thinking. It happens often, right? And I like to be funny. And I like to tease people sometimes. But if you're teasing your child when they get hurt or they get upset or, or if they're upset, it's discouraging to them and it breaks trust. You want your kids to trust you. You may think it's funny, but it embitters them. And I used to be someone that did it. And the Lord convicted me on that also. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. If you're married, you need to chase, and if you're not married, this is for the future, you need to chase after peace with your spouse. It legitimately hurts me when I see Christians that act peaceful with everyone else, and then they go home and mistreat their spouse. Many people in those situations will seem like they have it all together, and they'll be nice to everyone else, but then their home life is a wreck. You'll hear of people and you'll be like, no way do they have marriage problems. They're so nice to everyone. But it's almost as if they've used up all of their peace on everyone else. Seek peace with your spouse. Are they less than anyone else? Because they should be the most important. And I have been guilty of these. Love each other and give your spouse the peace and love they deserve. Remember, you're the one who married them. You married him for a reason. If you have to think back to that time, we need to constantly pursue peace with all people. But there's more. And you know, I like how the uh, writer formulates the scripture. Because it's almost like he was sitting there and he's like, pursue peace with all people. It's like, that's a great statement. But how can I make it more intense? It's like, oh, I know, holiness. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. 
as if pursuing peace with all people wasn't hard enough. (laughs) It has had to raise the bar. As Christians, we should be pursuing holiness. God commands it in Scripture. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Reminds me, I went and got my hair cut today. And the lady that I go to uh, get my hair cut at, every time I show up, I, she's one of the people that I could think that would probably be one of the most holy people that I know. Uh, her and Pastor Crystal, probably. <laughs> but she probably gets used for an example often. Every time I show up there, she's studying her Bible. Every time I come in, she's turning on the worship music. We talk about scripture together. Uh, in fact, even today when we were talking about scripture and I was like, oh, I'm preaching tonight. And she was like, oh, hey, check this out in Hebrews right here and jump to Romans. Like, she'll bring out the Bible and go through it with me. Amen. Anytime she has downtime, she's reading the word. And then Amen. I often leave that place thinking, maybe I should be more like that. <laughs> like... Pursuing holiness is a lifelong journey for Christians. It's a process called sanctification. Some of you may not have heard about it. To be sanctified means set apart, as or, declare holy, consecrate, and free from sin. Purify. I do want to make this statement. Jesus did everything he needed to do on the cross for us. We cannot earn our salvation. But we should change the areas in our life where God convicts us. There is nothing wrong with wanting to please God with your actions and your behavior. And he asks it of us. If we continue to live our normal life after confessing Christ, it shows no power to the unbeliever. It makes us no different than them. If you've given your life to the Lord, there should be a noticeable change. Like... To, to you, especially, you should be like, oh, I'm not like that anymore. And to the people around you, people should notice it. So there's a disclaimer. Often when pastors start talking about sanctification, there's always that one person or a couple people that's like, oh, he's legalistic. You know the people I'm talking about? You know the people that want to always fight back and forth with what scripture says? You know the people that take scripture out of context and then try to like... Be like, this is why I don't have to change. The people, the people that says, we don't have to go to church. We are the church. You know the people I'm talking about. You know the people that never want to change anything in their life. No, I am not legalistic. I just want to honor God in every area of my life. Legalistic means concerning adherence to moral law rather than the personal religious faith. It is not legalistic to change areas in your life that needs to get changed. And God still gets the glory. It's only legalistic if you think that the works that you are doing save you. But our works do not save us. Nothing but the blood of Jesus has saved us. And yes, we have grace. But that grace also empowers us to change. Not just a grace to cover sins, but a grace to change. Even in Romans 6, talks all about it. Should we allow sin to abound? Could we continue to sin just because we have grace? No. So, 
back in the day, I'd first given my life to the Lord. I was probably saved for about three or four months, and my life was changing rapidly. Right? I had a terrible past. Drug abuse, alcoholism, in and out of jail, fights, all whatever you could think, like that was me, I was doing it. And so I'm talking to this lady at church, an older lady, probably in her 60s, mid-60s. And I'm telling her all these things that Lord broke off in my life, right? Because things changed immediately. I'm like, I'm not addicted to drugs anymore. It happened the day I gave my life to the Lord. Immediately delivered from drugs and alcohol. I'm telling her all these things. This is broken off. This bondage is broken off. I'm no longer sexually immoral. I'm no longer doing these things. I'm trying to honor God. And she looked at me and she said, and I'll never forget the words, just because you're a new believer, you'll settle down eventually. Her words had more effect on me than I realized. Because I still think about them today. I was on fire, and then all of a sudden I was a slight simmer. I started being okay with things that I wasn't okay with before. And the only thing I can think and look back at is, now that I know more is, wait a minute, maybe what I was telling this lady was making her uncomfortable because she was set in her ways and complacent. And now my life has been changed and it's noticeable. Don't let people steal your joy when it comes to changing your life for the Lord. I'll also say this though. Do not hold your convictions on other people. Sanctification is a process and not everyone is going to be in the same place. Don't be mad and upset at somebody because they haven't changed something in a day that took you five years to change. Pastor Matt, I think, even says, well, he said it to me. I don't know if he said it to everybody. Give people the amount of time that you give God to work on you or something like that. I think it's just because you might not swear anymore doesn't mean that everyone else is where you should be at. Everyone needs to work on the convictions that God has put in their own heart. And as believers, we should always be pursuing holiness. I'm going to give you some areas of what holiness will look like in the life of a believer. So if you're taking notes, you'll probably want to write fast because I don't have the time to stop and pause for a minute while you write these. Holiness in the life of a believer. Full consecration of ourselves to God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Absolute surrender, loving God with our whole heart, soul, and mind, placing everything on the altar, God correcting our attitude towards sin in our nature, being set apart for the purpose of God, being made perfect in love, victory over sin in our lives, being a part of a community of believers who walk out God's principles. Did you catch that? Being a part of a community of believers that walk out God's principles. A second definite work of grace. Wholeness in Christ. Dying to yourself. Being restored in the image of God. Purity of heart and life. Sanctified holy. Christ-like. Now this isn't all encompassing. This is just some. We are to be set apart. And your life should show it through your works. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified. This is actually my favorite scripture. It has been ever since I've been saved. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Do you believe that? Because if you believe it, you're going to live like it. If Christ really lives in you, you must change. This scripture itself should be, along with the whole Bible, should be a constant reminder that Christ dwells in us. We should be living a life that reflects Christ in us. And God commands us to be holy. Now, if we aren't pursuing peace with people and seeking holiness, we can very easily fall into a life of bitterness. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. You do not want to become a bitter person. This scripture is actually a warning to Christians. Bitterness will leave you angry, sad, depressed, and far from the Lord. Now, typically it happens, people become bitter because they have been offended by somebody. Now, this could be an intentional or an unintentional thing that happened. You know, there's actually times where the person doesn't do anything at all and they make up a scenario in their own head. Has anybody else ever done that? They're like, well, if they say this, and I'm going to do this and this and this. And then all of a sudden in your head, you're like, you've got an offense and you're taking on a root of bitterness for something that didn't even happen. My wife corrects me on doing that sometimes. I don't do it on purpose, but sometimes I do it. She's better than me, that's why. If this happens in your life, in any of it, if you don't deal with it immediately, it will take root and it will affect your whole life. You guys know how the tree roots work? Tree roots tend to grow in the top three to four feet of the soil. But it's the smallest roots that grow within six inches of the soil. It's the small roots that take in water, nutrients, and oxygen. Even though we don't see any of those roots, they feed the whole tree. Just like in your own life, if you allow bitterness to take root, it will eventually control your whole life. Because bitterness is a poison. Deuteronomy 29:18 Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such a poison, a bitter poison. A long long time ago back in the day in the warehouse uh, there was these people that used to come to the church and uh, their child was in my youth group. And me and Brittany probably poured more time into this youth than any other youth. Part of the reason why was because we only had four kids at the time at a youth. <laughs> but I mean, there was weeks where we would spend like 10 hours a week with them. Anything that happened, the mother was calling, being like, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in this situation? You know? And now they were always at church. To all the events, anything that was going on, they were always there. And then they were getting married. And then after their wedding, they disappeared for like two weeks. I didn't see them again. And two weeks later, they came back and I was like, hey, where you guys been? Like, you haven't, you haven't been around. They're like, oh, why don't you come over for dinner tonight? I went to Pastor Matt. I was like, oh, they invited me over for dinner. And he was like, defend me. I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, okay. I thought it was a little weird. I go over there and we eat dinner. And immediately 
after we get done, we're sitting outside and I start trying to badmouth Pastor Matt to me. And anybody that knows me knows that that's probably not a good idea because I don't play games. Like, do not badmouth Pastor Matt to me or any other pastor or person in this church because I will shut you down. Spiritual backhand. Bah! You'll leave embarrassed and shamed. Then you'll go to complain somebody else about me. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand, like, like, how did you know that? And so we left there, and I called Pastor Matt immediately. I was like, Pastor Matt, how did you know? He said, because on their wedding day, we were upstairs in the warehouse, right before they were about to get married, and they were trying to get me to replace you. Somebody that, this was the first time that somebody tried to pit us against each other. Not the only time, the first time. Probably not the last time. And I just didn't understand, like, why would they do this? You know, sometimes bitterness doesn't always show till it gets to a place where it can't be controlled anymore. I had done whatever I could do, and Brittany also, to help them. But in the end, the bitterness controlled their emotions. And in their eyes... Nothing was their fault. It was all my fault. Do not become someone who once seemed as if you are trying to honor God, but in reality, you're harboring bitterness. There are signs that you can look for in your own life. (laughs) Don't look for other people's. This is for you. To see if you're starting to become bitter or in the future, if it's going to happen. Bitter individuals tend to have conflictual social interactions with many people, not just with you. They're often very angry and negative. And because of that negative personality, it will actually dictate a majority of their interactions with people. Bitter individuals will break what is expected socially and developmentally compared to normal, normal adults. They'll have outbursts that most people wouldn't. Most of the time, they have outbursts over little things. The big things don't seem to be too big, but they always have outbursts over everything. It's almost like you have to walk on eggshells to be around them. Do not be that person. To them, it's perfectly acceptable because of the pattern in their life to deal with other people has led to that point. Also, their behavior, if it's happening to you, or if you are turning into this, your behavior, their behavior has nothing to do with you and has more to do with their own anger, sadness, and disappointment. So if it's happening to you, remember that. Bitter people are often passive-aggressive. Bitter people often operate from a blaming and non-empathetic perspective. In their personal and professional relationships, they will constantly blame everyone else. When something goes wrong, it's always someone else's fault. It's not theirs. couldn't be. See, these are some of the more serious things that you can look like when you're evaluating your own life. And if you see any of these in your life, you have to allow God to deal with it quickly before the root sets in. Because we cannot give 
bitterness a hold on our lives. So how do we remove bitterness from our life then? Any answers? How do we, how do we remove? No, no one's been paying attention. <laughs> Hebrews twelve fourteen. Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. <laughs> I said it the whole time. <laughs> Be people that constantly pursue peace with people. Make sure that you are seeking holiness with the Lord, and this will ensure that no root of bitterness takes hold of your life. Everyone on a bow your head. Lord, thank you for this time that we could come together and worship you. Father, I pray that this word uh, convicts us, changes us. Father, I pray that everybody leaves here with something to think about, Lord, that uh, you'll begin to work on their life, Father. I pray there will be repentance if any of these things have uh, meant anything to somebody. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks for coming. Don't forget to get your kids. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.